Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, Executive Editor of Recode. And I'm Lauren Good, Senior Tech Editor at The Verge. And you're listening to Too Embarrassed to Ask, coming to you from the Vox Media Podcast Network. This is a show where we answer all of your embarrassing questions about consumer tech. It could be anything like, why is everyone making such a big deal about augmented reality right now? Why so? Apple and Google. Apple and Google, that's why. The AR platform wars have begun. Exactly. What's the latest in the Uber benchmark saga? Oh my God. We'll have a big story on that soon. Big Every story day. On that what soon. are you talking about? All I do is write about it. I was going to say, I think by the time you listen to this, it might be a week later. And there's still probably a new Uber yeah. story on Recode, so mm-hmm. go check that out. Can, my tech new really, Yahoo. can tech really democratize healthcare? Really? This is a topic that we've tackled for the past couple of weeks now on the podcast. Yep. Big topic. We'll see. We hope someone can. So send us your thoughts. We do read them all. Find us on Twitter and tweet them to at Recode or myself or to Lauren with the hashtag Too Embarrassed. We also have an email address. It's too embarrassed at Recode.net. And a friendly reminder, embarrassed has two R's and two S's. Yes. So we're in a healthy mode. We're in a healthcare mode. We are. I'm drinking coconut water. You just here. finished had... your Whole30 diet. Yes, I did. I'm that drinking green tea. You're having some More type like of whole murky looking water. Yeah. Coconut water. Still twenty eight. Still a month. It's the it's the it's the real coconut water. You know who told me to drink this? Larry Ellison. Oh, it's the real. He owns it apparently. Well, but it's quite good. Does he like source it from some rare island he gets to from his? No idea, many but he yachts. recommended it, and I would agree with him. It's delicious. I also like harmless coconut water. And in any case, we're in very case, today on Too Embarrassed Ask, we're going to be continuing this conversation. We're talking about Silicon Valley's obsession with life hacking, yes. especially around cognitive enhancement. And whether it's fancy new healthcare clinics, which we talked about on a previous week, over-the-counter genetic testing, efforts to lengthen lifespan, or just plain old fad diets, the Silicon Valley technosphere is known for taking the lead on some of these efforts and with some mixed results. Yeah, so we're talking to Jeff Wu. He's the CEO of Human, which is spelled H-V-M-N, of course. (laughs) It was formerly known as Nutrobox, selling nootropics, uh, which sometimes are called smart drugs or cognitive supplements, essentially to make you smarter or faster or more sharp. This is all the rage in Silicon Valley right now. I, lots of people talk about it. So, Jeff, welcome to Two Embarrassed to Ask to hey, answer some questions from our Thanks readers for, and us. Thanks uh, for hosting. No problem. Thanks Hi, for Lauren. having us on. Hi, Jeff. So talk about what human does. What are nootropics and what does your company do? Human is the human enhancement company. Mm-hmm. Um, so nootropics are a class of compounds that enhance various aspects of cognition. So things like memory, reaction time, uh, uh, stamina over a long period of time, and attention to detail. So we really think of ourselves as, I'm a computer scientist by training, and I think I, in the 70s and 80s, I, I look up to those guys at the Homebrew Computing Club as folks who are innovating on silicon as a platform of innovation. And when I first started diving into the space of what's called biohacking, I see an interesting analog where people today I see are experimenting on the platform of biology uh, on themselves. So in one sense, we think of ourselves as we're thinking a lot of the interesting creativity and, and that same hacker ethos on computing into, into biology, into so the human body. So what got you doing it? Were you feeling unhealthy or what um everyone it's really we'll get to the bigger issue of what's what's mentally wrong with silicon valley they're obsessed with this (laughs) idea but what got you into it what was you don't you seem rather healthy and young yeah no um three four years ago i sold my first company to a to a groupon and you know a big company wasn't necessarily my cup of tea and i was looking at different things to sort of keep my ambient cycles rolling and one of my friends started mentioning a compound called paracetam and you might find that in a European pharmacy for Alzheimer's or other uh, cognitive deficits and 
there's all these crazy people on online forums like our Reddit, Nootropics, Longevity, people literally reporting uh, these N equals ones experiments with mm-hmm. importing Russian Alzheimer drugs, et cetera. And these are drugs. These are things that are generally prescribed, but in this case, you were getting them. Well, it, well it's interesting. So in America, they're, classif- they're unscheduled. So they're not uh, what's known as FDA generally regarded as safe or not a food status or supplement status, but it's not necessarily a scheduled drug as well. So it's in this gray area, limbo area. But these are considered drugs in the European Union or other nations. Okay, so you're um, hearing about people taking these things. And why? And they want to get smarter. So, you know, if you think about human performance as a spectrum, well, if you're fixing deficits, what if you apply those same techniques to a normal person? Mm-hmm. Ostensibly, could you enhance various aspects Using of cognition? Using Alzheimer's drugs. So, so there goes a the theory, right? So a lot of these compounds, some had interesting results on rat models. Some had interesting results on uh, folks with dementia. Some had early human trials on healthy humans. And, you know, it was sort of like, I might as well be optimizing myself so I could like work on the next big thing. Right. Optimizing myself. Yeah. So it's a very, I guess, a kind of an engineering mm-hmm. thing, right? Like if you don't necessarily know what the next problem you want to solve, well, you might as well solve the abstract problem of making you more efficient for the next possible thing. Mm-hmm. And that sort of just, long story short, ended up being like the next thing, just optimizing oneself. But uh, yeah, in the early days, it was just like, okay, I'm going to have my you know, in parallel of like reading all these reports, I was like, okay, is this stuff real? Because I think the natural skepticism is like, okay, where are the RCTs, the randomized controlled trials? Is this like some crazy thing that crazy people are doing? Mm-hmm. And well, some were pretty crazy. Some were like, you know, like DARPA funded peptides that like haven't never been tested on humans. Some were, you know, had reasonable safety profiles and reasonable efficacy. So, okay, like, let's start trying some of these things. So I went on, like, Alibaba on on the dark web and just kind of figuring out, okay, like, let's start asking for samples and importing some of this stuff. And I had my own sort of Breaking Bad set up with uh, microgram accurate or milligram accurate drug scales to, like, weigh out different ratios that matched what was reported in these experiments, both on uh, published research journals as well as like, these self-experiments. But as you were receiving these products, these supplements, you had no way to verify they were what you thought they were. Correct. You, what Alibaba said they were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so them. it was literally, okay. it would come in like a gray envelope that was sealed, and there was mm-hmm. like a little printout that was, you know, uh, yeah, especially for the Chinese labs, like it'd be Mandarin copy and, a, and an English copy, and it'd be like, okay, 95% you know, pure, you know, X compound. And yes, probably recklessly, we started, you know, me and uh, what, who ended up being my co-founder, Michael Brandt, uh, were kind of like exploring these things and trying them out and, and seeing how these and would how affect And how did you us. decide to determine if they were successful? You felt smarter? Uh, I mean, it's not like the Bradley Cooper movie where he gets instantly smarter. And yeah, able to of course not. Stuff. So that definitely just to set expectations, right? I mean, I think one especially interesting moment was when, uh, we took this compound called Nupept, which is a Russian Alzheimer peptide, and we were walking to the office where we were working at the time. And on on the way to the BART station, we saw like these yellow little carnations. They just seemed more bright than usual. Okay. And then like it was kind of like these subjective effects. And then also referring to clinical research papers, and also yeah, starting to look at psychometric studies that we could do on ourselves. Right. Right? Which you like, can also do with regular drugs. Like yeah, 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 absolutely. Right. Like I think as Again, as engineers, we, we're, we're very much trained to start measuring these mm-hmm. things. I think when we talk about health in general, mm-hmm. we're very – health has always been sort of intuitive in terms of – medicine has always been sort of like, okay, you're, you're in this range, you're unhealthy. If you're, out, if you're within the healthy range, 
then it's kind of like no one tells you what to do. So it's like, mm-hmm. why, why aren't there people being quantitative on the healthy range? And if it's in the healthy range, can we eke Improve out? Improve it. Mm-hmm. I, I want to come back to this idea of sort of the, the quantified self mm-hmm. and maybe personal responsibility around health and, and all of these topics. But, but talk first about how you turn this into a business. business right. so you're trying to, you're, you're your own guinea pig yeah. at this point. Yeah. yeah. And, and tell us what happens next. Um, this is interesting. So, while I was like basically ordering random po- bags of powder from the internet, it was mm. I, I started that also sort of light, yeah. And it's like, okay, can we start heavy metal testing these things? Can we do purity testing around these things? And then if you actually look at the Google trends for nootropics and a lot of these key search terms around this broad area, they were up and to the to the right. And so you can just see these things sort of starting to grow in 2012. We hypothesized that it might be due to things like Limitless and sort of the Hollywood milieu of like enhancement that's kind of driving this broader awareness. So that that bit of entrepreneurial light bulb lit up where it was like there was interesting compounds that showed some efficacy sort of subjectively and according to some early clinical trials. Uh, we were going through all these crazy hurdles to like get these things validated and importing them and mixing it ourselves. And this was a growing trend where you had like people on Reddit, the, the subreddit art nootropics was growing really quickly. The Google trends were growing really quickly. I'm a I'm a I'm a software engineer, I can throw up a landing page for a website pretty pretty quickly. So in a weekend, we, ty- we, we, we hypothesized what would be a very basic nootropic stack, had a landing page to collect credit cards for, pe- for pre-sales, essentially, and then posted it on different forums like Hacker News, et cetera. And we got 32 pre-orders that first weekend. And I was like, oh, okay, that's pretty interesting. We were able to drive a bit of free traffic, and people gave us their credit cards on like a website we coded in a few days. And... I'm a pretty completionist type of person. So I was like, okay, I want to like make this 32 people really happy. Um, so figured out sort of backed, you know, sort of like the, sort of the, the hustle of like, okay, let's figure out how to manufacture something. And, and that kicked off a, a journey where I, I, at first I just wanted to have nootropics that I wanted that I knew were validated and, it was like, can I just make this pay for itself? Can I make $10,000 a month? And and did you sell these things you're, you're selling? This is the full stack I'm looking at, which is Rise, which you take in the morning for, yeah. what did you say? It was essentially the, the first flagship product that we had, which is a daily nootropic that's, you know, good for memory, stamina, Met stamina memory formation. Kado 3. Kado 3, Kado. which is our, uh, what we call supercharged omega-3 product. So DHA, which is Better one of the omega-3. Right, anti-inflammatory, uh, that kind of stuff. Yeah, and then there's a couple of different omega-3 fatty acids, and actually DHA is the one found mm-hmm. predominantly in the brain. So right. mm-hmm. most omega products, if you see on the market, are actually pretty heavily based towards EPA. Mm-hmm. Um, so we actually like dialed up the ratio of DHA. So That's like is, eating salmon. That's like supposed to be good for your brain and for your yeah, skin. Yeah, exactly. So can we just like make it in the concentrated dose? Yeah. Exactly. Okay, and then Sprint is essentially a one of those bottles of whatever you take. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we look at, you know, we, there's things that, that are better in this world than just caffeine for mm-hmm. short-term alertness. Okay. So we stacked it with L-theanine and some other components. And then make, yawn is for sleeping for jet lag or if yeah. you just need a good night's sleep. Yeah. Right? It's actually which one of our... Melatonin and things like that. Yeah. So melatonin, which is, I think, well known for being a hormone that, you know, that is naturally elevated when we go to sleep. But and glycine, how much does this box cost? About $120. Okay. And this is a and, monthly thing. And it's a yeah. subscription. Yeah. And and where are you sourcing? Are you still sourcing from various places on the internet? I mean, our supply chain has leveled up multiple times. So we brought on our head of supply chain from Plum Organics, Chrissy. She's awesome. So she's literally like fed millions of babies running manufacturing for uh, the, one of the biggest baby food companies. 
so so essentially specifically for Nutribox, the supply chain there, uh, we use a factory that actually has an FDA drug license, so they actually manufacture for the likes of like Pfizer and Merck. And where is that factory? Los Angeles area. And Los then Angeles. You, and you te- do you test this stuff before you package it, or is it tested at that facility? Uh, so for yeah, we, so you actually do it both. So usually, even to actually just match what's federally regulated by what's called CGMP, good manufacturing practices, you quarantine all raw compounds into your facility, test them for their certificate of analysis, for purity, et cetera, and then compound them, mix them, and then you test the final work product before you actually ship it out. You've raised how much money to do this? Well, I mean, the last publicly announced round was a little bit over two and a half million led by Andreessen Horowitz uh, back in late 2015, but we've brought in some new strategic investors. I mean. We, we don't necessarily hide it, but we, it's not necessarily... No, there's a bunch announced. of these companies. There's one, I can't remember. There's a whole bunch of these companies that are trying these various and different things, supplement, supplements. Do you call mm. them supplements, or what do you call them? Sure. I mean, the way I think about them are just inputs into the human digestive system, right? Like, you can consume things as a pill, as a supplement. You can consume things as a food. Right. You can consume things as a drug. To me, they're just, like, uh, arbitrary... Not arbitrary, but you know, just human-made classifications of compounds that we put into our mouths. And then you have but these coffee cubes too, these chewable coffee. Oh, the yeah. Chewable yeah. Cubes. yeah, But the yeah. but what you're doing is not FDA regulated. If you, it's categorized in the same sort of area as supplements. Correct. Okay. But it, which, so I think it, there's like nuance there. So in terms of a drug process or a pharmaceutical, there's a lot more. Well, you need to actually prove efficacy. But in terms of supplements, you don't need to prove efficacy, but there is a baseline safety that you need to show. Actually, I, was, I think you know that was one of the, I think, questions that was brought up with Impossible Foods. Mm-hmm. I don't know exact details there, but I know they were on your show earlier. Mm-hmm. But uh, their, their hemoglobin compound in soy plants was, I guess, had, they had questions around the generally regarded as mm-hmm. safe status. Right, so that exactly. is what FDA cares about in terms of food or supplements. And then you have any doctors on staff, is that correct? Uh, yes. So we have a clinical lead, uh, Dr. Emmanuel Lamb, who actually, uh, well, he's, he's a practitioner at a VA hospital in, 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 the, in the Bay Area. And then we have a research lead who recently joined us from Oxford University, Brianna Stubbs. Okay. So and, what, and what areas of uh, medicine do they specialize in? So Manny is an internal medicine practitioner, and uh, Brianna is a metabolic biochemist. Okay. And the re- how big is the rest of your staff? Uh, we have 12 people. 12 people. So yeah. you're still relatively small. And yeah. we're, and you're shipping in the U.S. And I guess, you know, we, we, we're sort of, uh, you know, we're describing this as a Silicon Valley thing right now. But yeah. are you shipping to other places in the country? Um, are people all over getting into this? Or is this concentrated in certain geographic areas? Um, if you actually look at the customer breakdown, it's pretty central to population centers so yes bay area is a little under 20 percent like broader bay areas i would say last time i checked at least is a little bit under 20 percent of our total business um but you have big pockets in la area new york florida massachusetts so which kind of maps to, mm-hmm. to, to population and then lastly, centers how do you verify someone that nootropics is working how subjective or you don't do testing brain tests blood tests or anything like uh, well, yeah. So we we you recommend feel pe- well, well, one subjective, yeah. but two, yeah, we push people to do objective brain training tests. So like there are, there's a software suite called Cambridge Brain Sciences, and that was a mm-hmm. company that spun out of Cambridge where they're doing a lot of these psychometric studies. 
So it's essentially like the clinical trials that you do for detecting, you know, dementia, et cetera. Can you just apply that towards a healthy population to see if you're just picking up measurable differences? Yeah, but the the efficacy of brain training games is still kind of unproven. Um, You know, there's a lot of debate around around that and that maybe it helps your brain get better in one area, but um, it doesn't necessarily, you know, with task switching or whatever it might be, but it doesn't necessarily help your brain function in other areas. So like, just because someone is using a brain training game and their score may happen to go up, I mean, can you actually correlate that to, well, they, they've been using Nutribox? Yeah, absolutely. Human. I think it is hard to generally measure intelligence. If you talk to, you know, military physiologists or, you know, leading physiologists, it's just hard to change people's cognition because the brain is so important. Like the body does everything to maintain brain performance. But I think that's also, you know, I think that's a great question. So like what are objective measures that one can measure? And that's a little bit of where we're interested in terms of future R&D. Can we show you in your blood metrics within X minutes that we're changing something or that's metabolism? So I think in terms of functional foods, functional consumables, I think that is the direction of the future where I think you start off with vaguer and vaguer claims, but I think the goal, I think the holy grail is can we just start, can I just prick your finger and show that, hey, I'm changing some values there. So right now it's largely subjective or self-reported. It's someone says, hey, I've been taking uh, human supplements and I keep wanting to call it Nutribox because I'm looking at the box yeah, right now, but yeah. the neutro, I've been doing nootropics for a while and I feel better. Yeah. I, I think I'm thinking more quickly. Right. I, you know, my memory is great or whatever it might be, but it's it's all self-reported. Self-reported or you're doing like N equals one tests, unless you're double blinding yourself, which some people you know, you know, are doing, sure but it, it's, are. it's hard, right? Cause like, yeah, if you're, cause yeah, it's conflating with training effects. If you're playing the same game, for example, you're just going to be, get it, but be better at the game. So yeah, it, it's conflated. Right. Okay. So you're, let's talk about the fasting element of this. You, you mentioned before that a lot of your customers also fast. Can you explain the fasting thing? It's a big Silicon Valley thing for sure. And a lot, it's all around, but it's the people here are very into it in, in yeah. much detail. <laughs> so I would say there's, well, I, I can tell you that just the personal story of how our company just really, you know, adopted and really made fasting a part of the community. This is about two years ago. We had uh, a new employee join, and he was obsessed with reading some of the research coming out of USC, Walter Longo's lab, around caloric restriction, fasting for longevity. And I had been giving, and we had started, our, our profile started to emerge as we were launching. And one of the, one researcher, Dr. Sandrine Threat from King's College London, she actually gave a great TED Talk around the growth of adult neurons. Like there's a, I guess, a popular misconception that you can't grow near neurons as an adult, but you actually can, and fasting is one of the ways to do that. So with like a new employee that was like all a gung-ho fasting and then like me having a dialogue with a, you know, a researcher looking at fasting as a way to jumpstart neurogenesis, it was like, huh, let, you know, as biohackers, let's try this out. And uh, Paul, uh, who uh, brought uh, fasting to our, to our group here was doing a 60 hour 60 hour fast so it was a Sunday night to a Wednesday morning fast and he was doing it by himself like gung-ho and I was you know if I, if I heard that three years ago I would have been like that's insane like am I gonna die um, so no food he could have water though was he drinking coffee or anything like uh, that? he was ramping down from 500 calories to zero calories so we, he would make this like weird soylent protein powder shake to like have exactly 500 calories at the time, and he was feeling really good about it. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like he wasn't nec- he wasn't like an overweight person to manage weight. He wasn't like necessarily like 
looking sickly. And then he got Michael on onto the fasting protocol and he got me on the protocol. And then eventually the entire company started doing this fasting regimen. And of course, when we were constricting, especially in the beginning where you're like, starving you wanted to celebrate with a big breakfast we would do these team breakfasts on wednesday or break fasts and they were fun we actually get to eat and then people in our community wanted to join us like our friends wanted to join us and we realized that the biggest part so one obviously we keep doing it because we felt really good while fasting and then two what was really helpful to maintain like this weird behavior was the social camaraderie around it a lot of human culture is built around food But if you think about why we even have a three-meal-a-day system, it's really a cultural artifact. Uh, Roman societies were really primarily uh, based on one large meal a day. A lot of East Asian cultures originally had two meals a day. And the three-meal-a-day system is really an industrial revolution artifact where you had like a meal before a first shift, meal in the middle as a break, and then a meal at the end of the second shift. So if you actually look at like how eating patterns change. So we, we realized that if you really wanted to, change this from a cultural perspective we need to build like a community around it and that community has grown really quickly so if you look at we fast which is uh, the name of the community we have thousands of people on a slack group and in a facebook group so i think over ten thousand people that fast with us uh on a weekly basis and so we fast is a part of human the company or it's it's separate from that i mean i think we we kind of started off as just kind of a separate thing but it's been so intertwined with like our company mission and and, and now our r&d that uh we, we kind of subjugated it under like the human it's like a human community now are you fasting right now Yes, good question. So Tuesday is a fasting day, so I haven't eaten. I've eaten zero calories today. You don't seem cranky. Day off, day off, day on. Is that uh, I do a thirty-six hour weekly fast. Weekly fast. Yeah. Right. I see. Once so you go from Sundays to Wednesdays. Oh, well, well, sorry. I, for for now, I do a Monday night. So I didn't. My last meal was yesterday, dinner, and uh, yeah, I woke up. I woke up at seven, worked out, um, drank a lot of water. Um, no, I guess it's like what war. Yeah. Feels so, good. so what will be your first meal when you start eating again? Um, great question. Usually, I eat fairly low carb. So you, you know, within the fasting thread, you also have people talking about ketogenic diets. Yes, this is the right. Thing. I think you know Verta Health, you know, had an awesome clinical result where they're able to pull people off of insulin or show interesting results on diabetes with just diet, and, and mm-hmm. it's based on a ketogenic diet or a low carb, high fat or high fat diet. Um, so how these things are related is that fasting is in, in some ways a more extreme version of a ketogenic diet. When you eat a ketogenic diet, uh, you dial down your carbohydrate intake, elevate your fat intake. Well, when you're fasting, we have natural stored form of carbohydrate in our liver called glycogen. We use all, the, all up and we start using fat. So essentially in some, in some, in some way to look at it we're just eating our own body fat when we're fasting so you so you are you're part of this community you're helping to foster this community of fasting and of nootropics are you also conducting trials right now for this type of lifestyle i mean it seems like Mm -hmm. the jury is still out on on the validity of this and also the safety of it what are you doing to contribute to sort of the larger education around it in, in a validated way? Yeah, no, good question. Well, I, I think one of the just published today in Lancet, which is a top two medical journal and, uh, alongside with New England Medical Journal, showed that total mortality rates drop with increased fat intake, which is 
a good, again, associative test on 140,000 people, which was just, just published today. The total mortality rates drop with increased fat? Yeah, which is like pretty counterintuitive to like the standard. Uh, well, it's, if some, you drop carbs, that, that, I think uh, that's yeah. the critical part. I yes, the carbs. So, yes, I, I think uh, diet Eating is very all that complicated. Bread, that's really yeah, I, I think if there's anything, like if you eat a lot of carbs and a lot of fat, you're screwed. I, I think if you eat like a lot of carbs, then low fat, you might be okay. If you eat a lot of fat and low carbs, you might be okay. I yeah. think it's like kind of the most consensus way to think about it. Most but to agree, answer your question yeah. directly, yes, we will have. That's something that was a lot of the something that we're working on. Hope yeah. well, hopefully, but you can't really sell a fasting kit, can but you? But you're not conducting like, trials right now. We'll be announcing some interesting results uh, in, in the coming months of trials you've been conducting, conducting or with our research partners. So okay. you, so yeah. you know, a lot of people are going to attack a lot of these different because there's been sure. so many different diets, different, yeah. even the whole thirty, which is not unsimilar. You know, sure. in those. Kara just went through that. I did. She's, she's scarred. What do you think? Did you enjoy it? Um, you feel better? Um, <laughs> Marginal, okay. Okay. I, I, I understand it's better. I slept better, for sure. Marginally better. Don't did not lose weight, but that wasn't really the goal. Um, it's correct. You shouldn't eat so much sugar and you shouldn't eat so much bread. Sure, like, yeah. it's kind of like, that's pretty much it. I think it's yeah. a little fascist, the people who run it. <laughs> They're like a little... The non-compliant, like, and they're super mean about it, but that's just besides, I think they could be nicer. Yeah. And I think they should act, like, sometimes a piece of pie is very nice, and they should calm themselves down about it. So, but I understand the point. Um, but on a Nightline, they talked about some of these stuff interfering with other, we're a heavy drugged culture, unfortunately, mm-hmm. too. How do you warn people about this stuff like, like that? Because there's so many interactions, drug interactions, and I would agree that we're on too many medications. So yeah. you're not the problem that too many medications are, but some medications are very useful and, and good. Yeah, absolutely. So one way that we look at it is everything that we sell is FDA generally regarded as safe. So we look at, again, we, we rely you know, I think regulators have a, a very important role to play here uh, to validate basic safety. So we only look at things that are generally regarded as safe. And then, again, to tease into our R&D pipeline, we're looking, you know, we're looking at bringing novel compounds, interesting compounds through that grass status process. So, so that's a sort of a baseline in terms of, okay, these things are generally well tolerated by living things. And then, of course, I mean, and I think a big part of that is that they have pretty low likelihood of cross-indications. But, I mean, you know, the standard line that we have to say is that we're not medical professionals. And see your doctor and yeah. show them what you're taking. Yeah. So have there been any incidents where one of your um, your compounds has interacted with, let's say, blood pressure medicine or any other type of medicine that's been reported by your customer base? I mean, fortunately, knocking on wood here, uh, no adverse uh, uh, reports. I mean, I think uh, some people don't necessarily get the, the results that they expect in terms of, like, maybe feeling more productive or smarter, but... Well, they're uh, just dumb. But I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think... I'm start a company. <laughs> Tell yeah. people that. Yeah, you'd be great. No, I don't think so. Yeah. I did start a company. Anyway, uh, getting into that idea is, is why is Silicon Valley so obsessed with this now? Not, not just this, but it's either fasting or diets or Soylent or whatever. It's a really interesting trend that's really amped up recently. They've always, you know, tried different things, but this is this is a really. Are they scared of dying, which is inevitable, or is it? What is the? What do you think? This is a great VC question, right? Yeah. Like, why yeah. now? Why well, now? I'm sure yeah. VCs will want to throw money at you because they're like they're you know they're on wife number three and they uh. now look good. But I can see you getting a lot of money for this because they all are interested in their own mortality. What do you? How do you look upon that? Like, because it's really quite a thing in in Silicon Valley. So 
the way I think about it is that sort of going to the engineering mindset, I look at amount of, so the hardware sensors being developed on human bodies yes. are growing exponentially. Their costs are dropping. If you look at like hardware innovation on mobile, for example, you can make the argument that this iPhone 7 here is the same phone from five years ago, just like more megapixels and mm-hmm. more battery life, right? You're not adding a new dimension of functionality. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, again, sort of like a theory crafting sort of thinking is that, you know, all these Silicon Valley entrepreneurs are essentially mixing and matching all these sensors for a variation that works, that sticks. So what I think is super interesting in terms of biometrics is that 10 years ago, if I was telling you that I was tracking my footsteps, you would have been saying, hey, like, are you training for the marathon? Mm-hmm. And we see really interesting developments with potential optical glucometers where you're able to track your blood sugar continuously without having to prick yourself, which mm-hmm. I do to, to measure my ketosis and my fasting. So all these sensors that are measuring human performance in the sense of biometrics are coming down in cost. So why I think it's interesting now is that you finally have a seamless data stream coming out of the human body. Well, let's be really smart about putting yeah, inputs mm-hmm. in. What about an existential thing? Right. Like I see what you're saying about yeah. the accessibility yes, of sensors and the commodities that yeah. these sensors have become. And I mean, I, I know people who walk around with these like yeah. glucose meters stuck in their arms, yeah. um, and, you know, and, and they can do that now. Um, but what about the psyche behind yeah. it? Yeah. You're tapping um, into something. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd like to live forever. Um, Why? Why not? Because. I mean, it's a very again, it's a, it's a very cultural notion that we're expected to perish. I mean, a cultural. If, I love that. It's a cultural notion that we're expected to perish. Yeah, what? I mean, everyone in the past has died, but it doesn't necessarily imply that you know it's un, it's something that I think it's like. Jeff, I'd rather I like be optimistic. Your I really I'd rather do. be optimistic and be like, okay, can yep. we put off something? So yeah. is it a te- is it a techno optimism that's what, what applied it, to humans that you know would normally be applied to? Products. I mean, I don't think that necessarily things like a techno optimism. I think it's just a human desire. Like mm-hmm. Chinese emperors were sucking down mercury to live forever, right? Oh, like yeah, pharaohs were, uh, you know, getting mummified to live forever. So I think it's a very human drive. I think perhaps what is interesting now is that you have interesting clinical results coming out of, you know, peer reviewed reviews saying that hey, we can extend life on monkeys or rats, and can we apply some of those exciting techniques to humans and I think that's where the biology has shifted Mm -hmm. and now we're going to take some questions about biohacking which is uh improving yourself biologically essentially right hacking your body yeah from our readers and listeners Lauren do you want to read the first question absolutely the first question is from Tim Letcher he's uh at Letch uh with a five in it on Twitter uh he wants to know if there's a too much scenario as in the body stops producing on its own when supplements take over. Mm. Dr. Rhonda Patrick talks about this. He mentions Rhonda I'm is not, concerned. not familiar with that doctor. <laughs> but um, yeah, I guess w- uh, what, are, what are the potential long-term effects of taking these supplements and these no, compounds? That's a great question. So the body wants to maintain homeostasis, right? It tries to go into a, a stable state. So anything that you're, you're perturbing, it, it tries to naturally rebalance. So that's why, for, for example, caffeine, you have more and more caffeine tolerance for the same effect. So the way I think about it is I look at nootropics probably into like two buckets. So you have things that are acute that have a feedback loop in terms of building up tolerance. And then you have nootropics or compounds that are really building blocks that that, are, that feed as substrates into parts of cognition, right? So like DHA, omega-3 fatty acid, that's a building block for neuron walls or things that 
upstart BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor. These things, you know, increase dendritic growth. So, yes. So the short answer is there's I think two buckets to think about. You have things that do have a tolerance effect, and we recommend cycling uh, on and off on them. So like for yawn and sprint, these are acute use products. We tell people to use it as needed, not on a daily. And then we bucket out the things that can be taken on a chronic or, or, or continuous basis as, as a daily use product. But we still don't really know what the long-term effects will be because you just started this company relatively recently. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think longitudinal studies in general are just very, on on humans especially, just hard. But yes. Mm -hmm. All right. Don't take mercury, by the way. (laughs) Not good. Would you like to read the next question? I shall. By the way, I just had a mercury filling taken out of my my head. Did you? From when I was a kid. That's what they used to do. They put silver fillings in your head and they had mercury in them and they thought it was fine. Not, not so, so much. Not so much. I think I'm fine, but still. <laughs> not so much. Anyways, it's interesting how things change. That's all I'm pointing out. Like things they think are healthy yeah. or may not be at the time. Uh, that food pyramid keeps changing, for example. All right, hacking. This is Liz Nasty Weeks, less than at less than Liz. Hacking. How is this not rebranding of life coaching, fitness regimens, and diets, many of which are also backed by clinical review, peer mm. review? Now, there's been a zillion. Di- pe- nothing better than a diet yeah. for, for Americans, really, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. So talk about that. Because, like, you know, people, any, any chance of, uh, like, the fountain of youth has been going on forever. Yeah, no, uh, again, the great question, I think, is referencing that again. In, in the beginning of this conversation around being quantitative here. Yeah, I, I, the way I look at it is that hackers, especially from the engineering context, are using engineering principles to look at systems. So, mm-hmm. you know, what the difference is, like, we've looked at health and wellness as a very intuitive thing. I kind of feel better after doing a yoga session, uh, and probably something is happening, but we're not measuring it. So the way we talk about biohacking is it's not just about changing up input protocol, whether lifestyle or not, it's just also measuring it and feeding that back into the inputs. But it's not unusual for people to be attracted to this kind of thing, correct? Someone always has an answer. That's you know you know that you know. That yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think there's people. I think people like celebrities and like following other people because mm-hmm. people want role models. So mm-hmm. sure, and in some ways, yeah, we wanted to find a new culture around. I, I think in some ways, Silicon Valley defined the culture of like having freaking snags everywhere, mm-hmm. and. I want to make Silicon Valley culture having no snacks on, no on snacks. certain days. Do you know mm-hmm. Sergey got rid of some snacks at Google because he was getting fat. I mean, they're probably getting more, more productive on no, those fasting days. it was just he was days. getting fat. No, don't, don't <laughs> well, it was very fast. self-serving then. No more snacks for anybody because of Sergey. Well, you know what's funny about all this, too, is that there Hello. are, of course, fad diets. I mean, we've seen them through oh, yeah. decades and decades now oh, yeah. in the U.S., but it's really, it's a math problem at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, listen, there are certain things that calories. certain people should avoid, whether it's dairy or whether it's certain bread sure. or whatever it might be because of their specific diet requirements. And, and I, from, you know, I believe that that is a serious thing that needs to be addressed. But like, if you're just looking at losing weight, mm-hmm. it's like a math problem. It's it like is. calories in and calories, calories out. out. And, and like, you see people go on these like juice cleanses. Yeah. And, juice cleanses are the just, worst. And they, yeah. and they load your body. I mean, but I'm everyone speaking was not into as a doctor, them. but sure. it's yeah. just, uh, everybody was yeah. into those. For, but you know what? We're, we're always willing to buy in to, to the something. idea of self-betterment. Yeah. My brother, when it's packaged. someone was asking him, he's a doctor. He's how do you lose weight? He goes, stop eating. <laughs> well done. Dr. Well, I mean, I think, I think the subtext is that in, in some ways fasting was the original fat it diet was. for like thousands of years it ago. Was. I mean, if you look at Bible, there's Moses fasting going through 40 days, 40 nights. I mean, if you look at a lot of the verbal oral tradition around 40 days uh, is a long fast. Yes. But I mean, I mean, there's a a George Cale study at at Harvard where someone fasted for 306 over like 380 days. What? No, he, uh, his biometrics were great. I mean, he just had water. 
Hmm. You can't right. get you, that you can't get ethics know. approval uh, anymore. Don't to do, do that. that. Like we're not in. Yeah. He, he was morbidly obese. And, all right. And, 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 all right. Oh. Then. Oh, yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. He ate himself essentially. Yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah. Email question from yeah. Bill Keating. Okay, I'm I'm not sure what this is. I'm, uh, it used to be fairly easy to find. Anaracetam. Anaracetam. Okay, you're gonna explain that. What it is? It's gotten much harder in the last six months. What has happened? I thought it worked well for me. Is there a good replacement? What does this thing do? Nice, uh, a fellow Nutranaut. Mm-hmm. Um, so Nutranaut. Is that yeah, a thing? it's like kind of nut I mean, or not nu- nutronauts. I'm calling you nuts. Nutronauts. <laughs> Some of them are nuts. Like an astronaut, like an astronaut but like exploring the field tropics. Um, what is this? Aniracetam. So it's an unscheduled compound. Again, this is sort of like the gray area field uh, mm-hmm. where it's not an illegal drug. It's not a schedule, you know, a prescription drug, but it's not a grass supplement food. And so one of the original nootropics is a compound called paracetam, and there's different variations of paracetam that people play with. So mm-hmm. there's an anaracetam, phenylparacetam, so a, a bunch of these things. And, and generally speaking, what do they do? Uh, what, is net, what does this one do? So they work in similar pathways in terms of uh, being generally neuroprotective. So, so there's interesting rat studies where less neurons die given oxidative stress on, on, this, on, on the brain cells and then elevates certain uh, neurotransmitters associated with learning and memory. Make um, you smarter. This is another make you smarter one. Yeah. 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 And so um, what's happened to the supply? It's dried up. Well, I think, I know uh, in the United Kingdom, there was a law passed around psychoactive substances sort of clamping down on these gray area mm. compounds. So it's it's interesting. It just, I think regulation, I mean, it's a, sort of a different thread, but I think regulation around compounds is evolving, right? Marijuana right. went from, very, very bad to now it's medically okay. Now it's like okay maybe to, to have fun for recreational in, in certain yeah. states. So I think January 1st. And California. MDMA was now approved in a FDA uh, pharmaceutical trial for PTSD. Yeah, 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 ecstasy. So I think, short answer, you're probably just feeling, you know, vendors, suppliers are feeling pressure from regulatory bodies as, as people are just scrutinizing more and more in depth into the in how, how things are regulated and enforcing the law. And, and then they're going to go through cycles on these things yeah. too. They and then, go up and down, yeah. up and down in terms of how much well, regulation. Well, I think if you just look at the uh, regulation in general, medicine is very well defined as the mm-hmm. prevention, tr- diagnostics, and treatment of disease, sort of deficient state to normal state. Um, I think that increasingly there will be products that claim or talk about enhanced, enhanced states. So there's not really a regulatory regimen that describes and, and talks about that, right? Like if you're talking about being able to enhance state, that's not medicine anymore. Like a robot arm that you can replace a normal healthy human arm, that's not a medical device. Mm-hmm. But you probably shouldn't regulate that as a consumer device either. It's not like an iPhone I can pick up. So one thing that we think, you know, I think is going to happen is that there will be more and more discussion around like how do we even talk and do safety and, and trials on yeah, enhancing products. Yeah, that's absolutely products. true. I mean, and also there's a science fiction element to some of this. Like yeah. the, Bra- I love that Bradley Cooper movie. Yeah. What was that thing he took? NZT48. NZT. <laughs> oh, you know, see, I thought that was great. And then there was the Charlotte, Scar- Scarlett Johansson one. Uh, yes, the, like the blue she crystal thing. She got too smart. Yeah, yeah, she, she, got she got turned into like a computer or something. She turned then. into a computer, ultimately. <laughs> um, but the Bradley Cooper one was great. The last scene Lucy, was my the favorite. Scarlett Johansson movie. Yeah. yeah. The, if you don't see it, what is the Scarlett Johansson? What was the Bradley Cooper one called? Uh, Limitless. 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 I think it was a TV mm-hmm. show. Uh, is it? I love the uh, last scene where he predicts everything and <laughs> freaks out Robert De Niro. Yeah. It's a really good movie in that regard. Anyway, uh, last question. Go ahead, Lauren. Last question is from David Lindsley. He's uh, a fan of the pod. Thanks mm-hmm. for writing in, David. 
He says, my idea of human enhancement, quote unquote, is that people need to get out and exercise more. Say that, that with like do. an old, get out and run. <laughs> my idea of human enhancement is that people need to get out and exercise more. <laughs> that would do wonders for them physically and mentally. I'm on, I'm on his side. You I know agree. what? Me too. I don't me even three. know. I don't, okay. I don't even, you know, I don't want to project and, and assume that David, David is like shaking his fist at us right now. He is. I however, like it. I'm good with it. However, talk um, about that. Yeah, talk about this. Because if people wanted to, I mean, ultimately, people would love to take a drug so they don't get fat. People yeah. would like to take a drug so they're smart. People yeah. would like to take a drug so blah, they don't die, whatever. Yeah. There is some elements of actual physical activity yeah. that perhaps seems to have been proven 100%. out over time. Yeah, I mean, I biked 10 miles before going to work today. I mean, I like if you look at our team, everyone's pretty... I mean, our research lead, Brianna, she's the two-time world champion rower. She so you think that's an important part? This yeah. Because the physical... Yeah, I mean, I think it's the lowest hanging fruit, right? right? Like, if these are some basic things that one should be doing, but okay, like, okay, you do all those things. Can you eat out more performance? That's sort of on the margin. How do we optimize other parts of your of your of your protocol in something some sense i think that fasting will be looked upon the same way exercises today Mm -hmm. like no one talked about exercising 100 years ago it was just like physical activity was just like part of our jobs we were physical laborers as Mm -hmm. farmers or factory line laborers Mm -hmm. well now we're all intellectual workers a lot of us are at least or sedentary workers well we got to reinstall exercise and we talk about exercise as being super important I, i see the same thing happening with fasting where we evolved going through feast and famine cycles now we have overabundance, and now we need to sort of reprogram uh, a fasted state. Yes, I agree with you. The three male I, thing is weird. It's You're interesting. Right. I, I there's so I'm going to share a metaphor, which I don't think really like will connect with most people, but I'm going to share it anyway. There's this great scene in Forgetting Sarah Marshall where Paul Rudd is trying to teach uh, what's his name Jason Siegel how to surf, and he's like, "You're doing too much. Do less." All right, now you're doing too little. Okay, do do more. Nope, less. Yeah. Right, and it and I always think about that when I think about sort of the push and pull between how much we as humans in a modern age are trying to just do, like like oh I can't concentrate right now and my brain is not working optimally. Well, why is it? We're doing too much, right? We're on social yeah. media. We're yeah. trying to cram so much into our days. We're super busy. Everyone uses the phrase busy, so people really are that busy. Working moms super super busy, right? And I always think like, what if we just did less? Like, what if we just did, what if everyone did a little bit less? What if that is the ultimate life hack? What if the ultimate life hack is like not trying to counteract what you do, but just doing less, (laughs) eating a little bit less, doing a little bit less, putting fewer things in your calendar. I don't know. Maybe that's too Zen-like. Maybe it's just not going to happen. And and what is the, what is the big complaint you get when you, when people just just look at you? I am. I agree with you. I agree. But what I'm wondering is what's the biggest response people give to you when they're dubious? Because dubiousness is, yeah, I think I think it's one, it's safety, and it's like okay, we we you know we look at only things that are FDA grass, or we pushing compounds through the grass status process, or two, how is it measurable? And it's like okay, let's do the clinical trials or look at compounds that I can show you in your blood metrics. Hey, I'm shifting something in your metabolism. I don't even need to, you don't even believe it. I can just prick your blood and show you something that's happening. So if that's the, if those are the concerns, well, you can project how we're going to answer them. So, but, but what I'm saying is here you are talking about enhancement, like right. getting more enhanced, but to Lauren's point, why not get more, what, less stress? Why isn't the focus on that, I guess? Sure. Well, I think that, um, I don't know, for better or for worse, I think hum- a big part of humanity is a sense of progress and, and doing more. Uh, I, it's a, it seems to be a very human drive. Again, like why are we... Arguably, a lot of people are less happy today than when we're just hunter-gatherers, yeah, that, right? Yeah, that's point, I think. Right. 
Um, right. Like it's, it's like a waking up with a chronic hangover and then thinking, how do I solve this? How do I solve this? And like the answer is like, just drink less. <laughs> right. I mean, that's, that's another bad metaphor, but it, yeah, why, why do we need to counteract something with this box when the solution may be not taxing our brains in the way that we are yeah. now? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't drink that often. Uh, maybe once a month. I exercise regularly, right? I think it's like on the margin, okay. Um, yes, you can be very m- much sort of making it for deficits, but I think there's increasingly a big amount of the community that's like pretty healthy in terms of lifestyle and just want more. So like I want to get most per- better Productive. productivity out of my day to do like the things I do on the side. So I think it's like, yes, like don't do stupid stuff, obviously. I think we all can agree to that. But then yeah. it's like, okay, some people want to take it to the next level in terms of yeah. efficiency so the productivity for you is to get to, to become more enhanced rather than what lauren's talking about which is more relaxed is to do what to make more photo apps or what what's the goal for you for me i think it's well personally or, mm-hmm. or broadly yeah, i mean i think curious. i think for me personally i mean that's a good question like what is your objective function of life and i and i think for myself it's experiencing rare and rare experiences so like being on this podcast is a cool experience so like I want to do more like (laughs) like it is right like if so I just want to basically just stack and and I think more interesting problems to solve just are more interesting experiences right like if we're if you're just like doing your typical nine-to-five job that seems to be a human experience a lot of people live so I kind of gravitate towards things that less people live uh so so I guess in short, I want to just like do crazy shit. Or I don't know if I can curse, but you I I, I want to do crazy do stuff with my life. You can so I'm say just crazy fucked yeah. up shit. <laughs> and, I'm, and what I'm saying, I don't think should be conflated with yeah. a lack of ambition either yeah. or a lack of drive. I just think I don't know. I just wonder about all of these solutions for problems that in a modern society we have essentially created for ourselves. So Lauren wants a full stack box that makes her calm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to listen to Kara's meditation app, and she goes over to Headspace to yeah. work for them full time. Yeah. So calm. there is, but there. Is that alternate thing with this stuff and then there's the meditation thing which is also taking off which right. is interesting which, which is which is not medical on. it's more it is medical a lot of people but think meditation mental. is but it's well actually people think meditation is medical but it's an interesting thing that it's there's not making boxes of things for that maybe they are but it's more in the meditation space yeah it's, and it's yeah. equal it's you know yeah yeah i, I, I think it just inputs into the body right time. like it's yeah it's like it could be like a brain state that you're inputting into yeah. as a protocol yeah. or something you consume and by the way I, I i find this whole area completely fascinating because i think the idea of consumers taking more control and we talked mm-hmm. a little bit about personal responsibility earlier of their health in a way you know that they want to experiment a little bit it's, it's their lives it's their, yeah. it's their body just right um, unsafely you know right crazy and gray envelopes you want to be we want to be smart that. about it but i think in some cases this is how um true like innovations or en- enhancements are discovered yeah but yeah i guess i just wonder about the drive behind it and ultimately what we as a society are trying to solve. They're eventually trying hacks. to get rid of bodies is what some they're trying to do. So right. our brain and some yeah. cyborg. Or, or, maybe, some... or maybe death. Maybe we're trying to solve death. No, but there's all the, the second sci-fi movies is all going, pay, taking your brain, downloading it into something. There's so many movies Which like that. Which is solving biological death, right? Right. Biological right. Is exactly. This is where biological we're is the problem. We're all going to be holograms in the future. Like in the future, Kara... You may be gone, and I'll be here running Recode, and I will put on a VR headset and visit with you, mm-hmm. and we'll just have all of you downloaded uh, so that I can just turn to you, and I'll, I'll be like, here's what's happening. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be gone. There won't be any more of me left, and I'm going to haunt everybody. Just haunt them. Like, in real bad time. They push glasses over at your house. I'm going to freak you out. I'm going to open and close doors. That is what I'm doing. So... 
Anyway, she's gonna we're throw moving your, into Jeff. throw your nootropics in the trash. Too embarrassed to ask. This is a really interesting area, and it's really interesting that you're doing it. Um, uh, we'll see where it goes from here. There's a lot of efforts in Silicon Valley doing this. There's lots of different types of people trying to do it, yeah. but it's all a really interesting trend. Again, it's been another great episode. Jeff, thank you for joining us. Hey, cheers. Thank you. Thank you very much, Jeff. If you all enjoyed this week's episode as much as we did and you're feeling alert, alert and I'm gonna take this better than second. you have all day, Sweet. be sure to subscribe to the show. It's better than a box of nootropics. Mm-hmm. And leave mm-hmm. us a review at iTunes.com slash Too Embarrassed to Ask. Uh, but seriously, subscribe. If you do, you'll be the first to listen to new episodes every Friday or catch up on previous episodes where we answer all of the tech questions that our listeners have been too embarrassed to ask. If you're not on Apple Podcasts, you can also subscribe on Spotify, Google Play Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Or you can just go to recode.net slash podcast and you can find literally every podcast there. And while you're there, you should check out our other podcasts like Recode Decode, Recode Replay, and Recode Media with the ageless Peter Kaufman. <laughs> That's right. Peter's, you can have a new one every Peter's week. Peter's a robot. <laughs> uh, oh, the Verge aged, also though. has a great podcast called The Verge Cast, and it's uh, hosted by a lovable hologram named Neil Patel. Mm-hmm. Don't forget to tweet your questions ahead of time to at Recode with the hashtag Too Embarrassed, or email them to Too Embarrassed at Recode.net. Thanks for listening. Thanks also to Cadence 13, the company that distributes the show, including Beth O'Connell and our editor, Chris Basil. And thank you to our producer, Eric Johnson, who um, actually just took the whole package of Sprint pills and sprinted <laughs> out of the room. Um, so hope you enjoy your NutriBox. We'll be back next week week to answer more of the questions you've been too embarrassed to ask so tune in then